How are we doing? We okay? Good, good, good. Let me get myself in order. I, I've just on the back of what Phil said there, I actually believe that this series is probably one of the most, we, uh, most important series we will ever do in the life of this church because it's about who we are as a church, as a community, as a group of people. And I'd encourage you, if you missed Phil's word the first week on thieves and Christian's work on, uh, word on discipleship, I would encourage you to go back and take a listen to those words. Get them into your soul because this is who we are as a church. This is who we are. As people. Now, I don't know if you were, who was in Oakston this morning for our baptism? It was uh, just amazing. What a great time we had. And uh, I, I just think that we're living in really special days. I, I just think it's amazing that we get to baptize people so regularly in the life of the church. I don't think I've ever been around our church when we baptize so many people. Um, and it's just amazing. I take great um, delight in that. And I believe actually that these days, Today, where we live right now, we have the greatest opportunity that we've ever had to reach this nation, to reach our people around us, to reach our family and friends for Jesus. Is it just me or does anyone agree with me? I believe that, you know, we're going to see Mansfield and the M1 corridor and Ilkeston changed by the power of Jesus as we begin to step out and step into all that God has for us. Yeah? So, tonight, I'm going to move on in our series again. But first of all, I'm just going to read... Uh, it's something that we put together in the life of, a ch- uh, of our church about our behaviors and what this series of Thieves and Occupants is all about. So if we could have that. And it just describes what our behaviors are and what they're all about. It says this, our behaviors aren't to make you fall in line or fit in. They don't refer to the clothes you wear or the music you listen to. Our goal isn't to get you to behave, it's to help you to follow Jesus. The reality is arena is full of imperfect people. People who were broken, people who were lost, people who were hurt but through a relationship with Jesus, have been radically changed. Our behaviors create a platform for arena to flourish. They create freedom and protection for our community. In your house, you have certain behaviors so that the house can function. These may be things like everyone else tied to the table or no shoes inside. Different houses have different behaviors to protect and promote the house. Our house, arena, is no different. We have certain behaviors that we expect our community to to agree to so that our house can flourish. You see, just to zone in there, our behaviors aren't to get us to behave, to get you to behave, but they are to help you flourish, to help you live the best life that you can in God. Now, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 6, and I'm going to read from the message version, 1 to 13. So if you want to turn with me or you don't have your message version, you can follow along with me. That will be... Great. And 2 Corinthians 6 says this. Companions, as we are in this work with you, we beg you, please don't squander one bit of this marvelous life God has given us. God reminds us, I heard you call in the nick of time. The day you needed me, I was there to help. Well, now's the right time to listen, the day to be helped. Don't put it off. Don't frustrate God's work by showing up late, throwing a question mark over everything we're doing. Our work as God's servants gets validated, or not, in the details. People are watching us as we stay at our post, alertly, unswervingly, in hard times, tough times, bad times, when we're beaten up, jailed and mobbed, working hard, working late, working without eating, with pure heart, clear head, steady hand, in gentleness, holiness and honest love. When we're telling the truth and when God's showing his power, when we're doing our best, setting things right, when we're praised and when we're blamed, slandered and honored, true to our world, though distrusted, ignored by the world, but recognized by God, terrifically alive, though rumored to be dead, 
beaten within an inch of our lives, but refusing to die. Immersed in tears, yet always filled with deep joy. Living on handouts, yet enriching many. Having nothing, having it all. Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. Live openly and expansively. Tonight we're going to speak about aspiration. Aspiration, a culture of our house. And we're going to have a little bit of fun, if that's okay with you to start off with. Is that all right? So I think everyone, I believe I'd be as bold enough to say that everyone in here had aspirations or dreams pre-10 years old. Am I right? Yeah, we've all had some aspirations and dreams, so we're going to come and do a bit of a case study and and check. I'm going to ask the bishop of the house, Mr. Pye, (laughs) what was uh, your aspiration pre-10, sir? Play for Forest. (laughs) Play for Forest. Okay, 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 okay. Christine Austin, what was your aspiration? To be a tennis player. Tennis player, okay, okay. Let's have a look. I want to find someone interesting. Uh, no, not that you two weren't. No, no, no. <laughs> mm. I, I, I like Mikey. Pre-10, what do you reckon? What, we, what did you fancy? Probably just a footballer, to be honest. Okay, footballer. Anyone with a really weird one? One a bit out there? Not a footballer or something? Anne Simpson at the back, do you want to shout it out? A volcanologist. A vo- that sounds like something out of Star Trek. <laughs> What is that? Just for what is a volcanologist? Volcanoes. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I mean, you still deal with hot stuff in Neil. So, <laughs> Neil, am I right? <laughs> he's nodding. He's 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 nodding his head. <laughs> I told you we were going to have fun. You see. I had a few. I had the obvious ones. I wanted to be a footballer. I love David Beckham. I'm actually not sure if I wanted to be David Beckham or a footballer, but one of the two I would have taken. Uh, golf has been a big part of my life. I've, uh, want, I wanted to be a golfer as well. Um, for those of you who know Pokemon, I wanted to be a Pokemaster. I, I, I'm going to be honest. I wanted to catch all of 151 from Charizard all the way to Mew. I wanted to catch them all. Uh, <laughs> I also wanted to be a Ninja Turtle. Uh, there, was a, there was a period in my life, I'll be honest enough to say, where I loved karate. Um, and I liked pizza as well. And I thought, what's not to love? Karate and pizza, yes, please. Now, as you can tell, as I stand before you tonight, I am not a turtle. Um, but I am a part of the Green Army, so God works in mysterious ways. Uh, <laughs> but burning passion for a period of my life and let me tell you it drove me like this passion lived inside of me for at least a week of my life it was you know it was a a big thing for me I thought I was going to be the next Leonardo DiCaprio I thought you know I can do some dancing I can do some acting I'm going to be the next dancer and actor I thought look if not Leonardo DiCaprio like Toadie from Neighbours or something like that uh, I'll settle for, for that but When I came to this church at Arena at about 11 or 12, I think I was, uh, this church like super creative, our church and the youth at the time was super creative and we were coming up to Easter and back then we used to do an Easter kind of performance and this Easter performance was coming up and I was like, I can do that, like I am the man for the job. 
So uh, we came to rehearsals and we came to casting parts and I put myself forward. I was like, yes. And obviously it's the Easter play. So everyone wants one part, the part of Jesus, sure. Like everyone wants to be Jesus because number one, he wins. <laughs> like, and number two, you're probably going to get the most airtime. People are probably going to clap when you, you know, when you win. Like, yes, please, I, I'll be Jesus. So anyway, we're waiting for the, uh, the, the, I guess, the plot and waiting for the characters to be handed out. And I'm standing there waiting, thinking, yeah, here we go. I'm going to get cast as Jesus. And then Diane Gibson comes around the room and says, yeah, Josh, you're going to be the devil. <laughs> I, I don't know if that was a slight on my character at the time or, 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 or what, but it's not exactly the kind of part that your mum brings your family members about. You know, I can imagine my mum on the phone being like, yeah, Josh has been cast as the devil. And my aunt's like, yeah, we already knew. <laughs> yeah. Is that a surprise to you? Because it's, it's not to me. So anyway, we came to this thing, and you know, I was prepared. I'd rehearsed at least once, which was a big thing for me back then. And I was ready. I was scowling on the morning. I was moody, and this was just before the service. Um, so I got into the thing, and you know, I've got my hood up, and I'm, and I'm walking around, and I'm ready for this thing. You know, and we, we're in the performance. We're in the thick of it, and the plot comes to this big crescendo. And here, this is my big moment. I'm about to do some flying kicks. And I'm moving around the stage. I do this flying kick. And on accident, I kick Olivia Gibson, sat right there, straight in the stomach and knock her out. <laughs> I literally knocked her clean out. She was probably, probably about eight years old. And uh, I went to die afterwards and said, don't ever cast me as the devil again. <laughs> you know, nah, nah, I, I, I'm joking. I am joking. So I did this thing. I kicked Olivia. You know, I, I was in this thing. I thought it was going to be great. But instead, I, I messed up and I was gutted. I was really upset. So I did what any big man does. And I went to my mum and dad's car and sat in it. And, I, I, and someone came. I can't even remember who it was now. And they said, don't worry. Like, Olivia's okay now. She's woken up. <laughs> I, just, I just, like, I, I never saw this bit, but I've just got images, like, in the middle of the service of people, like, slapping Olivia around the face, chucking water on or whatever, giving her some smelling salts. Hey, get some of that. <laughs> but I, I sat in that car, and I said to whoever came to me, I said, oh, it's going to be all right. I said, I'm never dancing again. I'm never acting again, and that's it. Now, some people would agree that that was a very good thing that I did decide to do that. But the thing is, I decided to give up. I gave up. Because I messed up, I gave up. You see, I think we're like this. I know it's a, a bit of a jovial story from like a time in my youth, but I think we're like this. We have an aspiration, we give it a go, and through failure or it being hard or discouragement, we give up. I, I wouldn't like to ask tonight how many people have acted like this in their own lives. You've had something, you've tried something, you had an aspiration, you've had a dream, you've given it a go, and through failure, through discouragement, you've given up. You see, what we're going to talk about again tonight is about you standing up and going again and aspiring again, dreaming again, because you know what? God's not finished with you just yet. See, I think there might be some people, what about in your workplace? You went in, you used to go in wanting to be the best there. You wanted to work hard. You wanted to be a model employee. You went the extra mile, and then a promotion came up. And you're like, yes, this is for me. So you worked even harder. You went even bigger. You thought, yeah, I want to aspire. I want to do well in this company. But because someone else got the promotion, 
your down tools and thought, no, I'm just going to maintain the status quo and I'm just going to settle back and be comfortable because I don't want to get hurt again. I don't want to get rejected again. What about people, uh, there might be someone in this place tonight who you said, look, I'm going to win my friends for Jesus. I'm going to tell my friends. I'm going to tell my family about Jesus. I'm going to tell my workplace about Jesus. Because it didn't happen how you thought it had happened, because it didn't happen overnight or over a week or over the course of a month, you gave up and shrink back and settled. You see, like I said tonight, we're going to speak about aspiring again. You see, we try and protect ourselves from future harm by shutting out aspiration and we settle for comfort over our dreams. We substitute aspiration for comfort. I'm fascinated by how the human race is attracted to comfort. No one goes to Ikea and asks for the most uncomfortable chair. I was uh, walking around Ikea the other day with uh, Helen's dad and, and Helen and, uh, and Alison. And we were walking around and they were trying a few settees out. And what was the first thing they said when they sat down? Nah, it's not comfortable enough. We're attracted to comfort, aren't we? We want the comfy clothes, the comfy shoes, the comfy jeans. I'm very comfy today. I'm going to be honest. I, I feel very comfortable in these clothes. But we want comfort. We want a comfy car. The problem is that comfort is the enemy of aspiration. You see, I, I don't believe the biggest enemy of uh, our generation, of our, all of us guys living today, is moral failure. I believe it's comfort. I believe it's being tricked into a life of comfort, tricked into a life of settling where we stop taking ground. Like I said, the opposite of aspiration, the enemy of aspiration, is to settle, to stay comfy, and to do the same things. You see, the church were never meant to settle. The church was never meant to be comfortable. We were meant to press on. We were meant to move forward. And we were meant to take ground for God. I, I love what Paul says here. I read the whole, the whole passage. I know it might have sounded a little bit lengthy, but I read it for a reason because I believe that Paul is outlining what the life of aspiration means. You see, what I can't guarantee is that the life of aspiration will always be comfortable. But it will be rewarding. You see, I'm like, Paul, you know, maybe let's rein it in a little bit. He sounds like he's like a bit hung up. You know when you go to someone and they've had a tough day, and like, yeah, I've had the worst day and this person did that and this person did that. It's like, Paul, like, just don't spill your guts. Let's rein it in a little bit. But he's trying to show us something. Let me just read a bit of this again. He says, in hard times, tough times, bad times, when we're beaten up, jailed and mobbed, working hard, working late, working without eating, with pure heart, clear head, steady hand, and gentleness, holiness, and honest love. When we're telling the truth and when God's showing his power. When we're doing our best, setting things right. When we're praised and when we're blamed. Slandered and honored, true to our word, though distrusted. Ignored by the world, but recognized by God. Terrifically alive, though rumored to be dead. Beaten with an inch of our lives, but refusing to die. Immersed in tears, yet always filled with deep joy. Living on handouts, yet enriching many. Having nothing, having it all. You see, this life of aspiration, you may not always have the, the best, um, the best uh, possessions. But what I can guarantee you is this, that you will live a, a, a life that is far beyond just having a few things. You will live a life that's far greater than yourself when you step into what God's got for you. You see, Paul is talking directly to the Corinthians here. I believe that the Corinthian church, this is Paul's second letter to the Corinthians and I believe the Corinthian church had been in a place 
uh, in the past where they were aspirational, where they were pressing forward, where they were taking ground. And we come to 2 Corinthians, and I believe they started to shrink back. They'd settled. How many of us have got into this place where actually in the past we've run well for God, when actually in the past we've taken ground for God, but without realizing it, we've been tricked into comfort. And we've settled and we've stayed safe. Paul is saying, guys, go again. You see, the smallness you feel, this is what he says, dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. You see, the people in Corinth had forgotten how big the lives could actually be. They'd forgotten how great the lives could actually be in God. They'd forgotten what God had called them to. They were living the lives in a small way. You feel like your life is being lived in a small way. Look, this isn't Arena Church's fault. This isn't Christian or Phil's fault. This isn't God's fault. It's you who's limiting your life. You're living your life in a small way. And God says again tonight, look, throw away the boundaries, throw away the lids, because I want you to go again and press into this open, expansive life that I have called you to. See, Ephesians 3.20 dovetails perfectly with this for me, because... Uh, in Ephesians 3.20, it says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power at work in us. You see, you don't chase after your aspirations in your own strength. I find that when I try and, uh, you know, whip people into shape in my own strength, when I try and preach a great message in my own strength, when I try and live for Jesus in my own strength, I get burnt out and in a mess really quick. Because the reality is that my strength cannot sustain me. The key to that verse for me is his power at work within us. Please do not forget, it's all about his power at work in you, not your power at work for him. I think so many times we try and do it in our power for him, where actually it's the complete opposite. It's his power at work in us. See, as we talk about aspiration, please don't get aspiration mixed up with selfish ambition. Two completely polar opposite things that could seem similar, but they are polar opposite. You see, aspiration looks out. Selfish ambition looks in. Aspiration says, what can I give? Where selfish ambition says, what can I get? Selfish ambition's about me looking great. Selfish ambition's about the possessions I can accrue. Selfish ambition is about me climbing over people to have more power, to have more strength, to have more greatness. Selfish ambition is all about me. But you see, aspiration is about how can I use my life to be all God wanted me to be? How can I use my life to make a difference? How can I use my life to help somebody? That's aspiration. Two different things. See, our aspirations of followers of Jesus flow out of who he has made me to be. It's not me just turning up one day and saying, yeah, I'm going to be a professional snooker player today. Yeah, I'll be a professional golfer today. Just keep swapping like that. No, no, no. It comes out of who he made me to be. Who he made me to be, the destiny placed over my life, the call he placed over my life. You have to realize that God has got a plan for you. God has got a purpose for you and God's got a destiny for you. And he wants you to walk in that. He wants you to step in that. 
You see, you say, Josh, look, I, I want to aspire, but I, I don't know how to. I don't know what to aspire to. I'd say to you tonight, take some time with Jesus. Spend some time in your Bible and ask him to reveal what he wants you to do for him. What he wants you to do through him. And I believe as you do that, he'll show you and he'll make your way clear for you. He'll show you some steps. See, aspiration gives birth to success. Aspiration gives birth to success. They are intrinsically linked. You see, I don't think David Beckham just showed up at Manchester United training one day and was this amazing footballer who could do these free kicks and make these crosses and do all this stuff. He wasn't. David Beckham had spent hours and hours on the training pitch taking free kicks, making crosses, with a vision in mind that he wanted to be a professional footballer. He didn't just run onto the pitch with his mates for a bit of a kickabout. No, when David Beckham went onto a pitch, he had the end goal in mind. He had the Champions League final in mind. Aspiration, you see, led to success. Alan Sugar, I don't believe there's anyone, just to add a caveat here, I don't believe there's anyone who's been successful who hasn't first aspired. Alan Sugar built an amazing business. But Alan Sugar didn't just become a millionaire overnight. He showed up in his van, drove around town, selling things out the back of his van and built an amazing business as he aspired to something greater. See, aspiration gives birth to success. You say, Josh, look, I I like all this talk, but where's aspiration and success in the Bible? Where is it? Well, let's start a prophetic word over our church. Isaiah 54 is a call to aspire, to stretch the, uh, the tent pegs, to move them out, to enlarge the borders, to, uh, to move out, to move forward. That's his aspiration. What about Nehemiah when he saw the walls of his city down? He aspired to rebuild the walls. What about Joseph who aspired to be the best in Potiphar's house? What about Jesus who aspired to save the world? Aspiration is throughout the Bible. Okay, what about success? Well, I believe King David was pretty successful. A man who conquered nations, a man who conquered armies, all in the name of God. Sure, he messed up at times, but David was successful. Joseph, again, we come back to Joseph, probably the most influential person in the world at that time, apart from Pharaoh. He was running the the, uh, empire of Egypt for Pharaoh, which was the most powerful empire in the world. Success. Success. And again, what about Jesus? I'm so thankful that Jesus was successful because Jesus came to this earth. He didn't just say he was going to save the world, but he actually died and rose again for you and me. And he was successful to the point of redeeming the whole of humanity. I'm thankful for Jesus' success. See, at times in church, we've seen success as a dark art. We've seen it as something to stay away from. But success is great. It just depends on your relationship with it just depends on your relationship with it. See, I'm believing that aspiration and success will so flow from this church that our influence will increase. See, the reality is that aspiration gives birth to success and success leads to influence. Success leads to influence. You see, I I believe you can be influential in all areas of your life. But undoubtedly, success leads to influence. Again, we talk about David Beckham. David Beckham is a footballer. He's far more influential than me. 
as a footballer because David Beckham is successful as a footballer. You know, an MD of a company is far more influential than just an employee of a company because of the success that they carry. You see, church, I, I believe, I love this Brian Houston quote. He says that success flows from the local church. Success flows from the local church. You see, success is not a bad thing in itself. It's our relationship with it. How will you use your success? Will you use your success to show how great you are? Or will you use your success to say how great God is? Will you use your success to say, show all your talents? Or will you use your success to point to Jesus? That's the question. Success is a great thing as long as we submit it to Jesus. See, we need people who are successful in the world and because of that, they influence people for Jesus. If we want our influence to grow in this town, we need to aspire. We need to aspire to great things in God. We need to inspire to go again. We need to stand up and say, look, I'm not going to stay comfy. I'm not going to stay on this couch. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to aspire and I'm going to dream and I'm going to believe that God is going to use me to do some amazing things for him. I'm going to believe again for my workplace. I'm going to believe again for my family. I'm going to believe again for my friendship group. I'm going to stand up and be counted. Something I've been thinking about just lately is that sometimes I believe that we hide behind faith and prayers and we forget the hard work. Paul in here talks about hard work. Don't hide behind faith and prayer. Faith and prayer are so important. We know that. I'm not uh, knocking them down at all. But listen to me. We've been so quick to run to faith and prayer and we forgot the hard work. What does the Bible say? Faith without deeds is... Faith without deeds is dead. Let's not use prayer and faith as an excuse to not work hard. I believe if we pray for revival, we should do something to see it come to pass. It's all right praying for revival, but if you go into your workplace on a Monday morning and are silent, then I'm not sure what's going to happen. But when we start to believe that Mansfield can be changed, when we start to pray for Mansfield to be changed, and then we start to go into our workplaces and start to sow some seeds, that's when change starts to happen. That's when change starts to happen. Look, if you've dropped aspiration, if you've got comfy, well, you'll have a chance to respond in just a second. But I want to encourage you that he's not finished with you yet. He's still got a plan for your life. It's not over just yet. He's got a plan for you. No matter where you are in your life, no matter what you've done, no matter what stage you're at, you can aspire again. You can stand up and dream again because he's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. And it's a purpose that only you can fulfill in the life of Arena Church. He's created you with a unique uh, blueprint. He's, he's created you with a unique plan over your life that we need if this church is going to flourish how we need it to. Now, just to close, I'm going to bring up on the screen a few points about aspiration. So what does this mean for us at Arena? Number one, we will ask ourselves, when was the last time I did something for the first time and then aspired to do something new? You see, as we get comfy, as we get safe, as we settle, we just do the same things over and over again. Why don't you try something new this week? If you say, look, I've settled, Josh. It's trying something new will kickstart you. I find that doing new things and going new places opens my brains up to new ideas. It, make, it kickstarts my, my imagination. It makes me 
uh, like excited about things again, about different things. It gives me ideas. Look, if you've got comfy, why not this week? Try something new. Change something up. Maybe don't watch EastEnders all night. You know, maybe go out. Maybe try something new. That will help you. Number two, we will advance forward to take hold of everything for which God has taken hold of us for. We will advance forward to take hold of everything in God for which he has taken hold of us for. Look, God has already taken hold of this stuff, and sometimes we just leave it at the side of the road and just like, yeah, we'll just sit back. No, no, no. Look, God has taken hold of this stuff. Stand up. Ask him what he wants you to do and take hold of everything that he's taken hold of for you. Number three says this. We will have a continual expectation of growth in every area and aspect of the life of Arena Church. I believe one of the biggest threats to churches, because we turn up week in, week out, is just normality, believing for the same things. Oh, yeah, we're probably going to get 100 at Mansfield tonight. We're probably going to get a couple of 100 at at, at Ulkeston. No, no, no. Let's believe for growth. Let's believe for more. Let's show up with an element of faith when we come on a Sunday. Let's not just show up half-hearted. Let's show up believing. I said to some of our team the other day, I said, look, it's our job to populate events. You know what? It's your job to populate this church. It's not Christian and Phil's job. It's our job as the whole to populate this church. You know what? You've got friends who you should be saving seats for. You've got families who you should be saving seats for. And I believe as we do that, we won't just be baptizing one, twos, and threes. We'll be baptizing tens. Let's start looking through our contacts. Let's start looking through our phone books and say, God, who do you want me to invite? Who do you want me to bring? Number four, we will set aside the past failures and disappointments to continually step up to the plate and be wholly given to God's purposes. See, some of the big problem in terms of people getting comfy, like I said, is focusing on past discouragements, focusing on things that we think might happen. Oh, yeah, if we do this, someone might say this, or if we do this, it might fail. We're already worrying about things that we don't even know are going to happen. Forget about the past. Forget about what's gone before. Let's believe God that he's going to walk with us as we step up for him. He's going to go with us and we're going to take ground for him. Number five. We will continue to look to our God and know that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. Therefore, no limits, only enlargement, extension and expansion. You see, this would be a very different point if it was about our work at work for our our work uh, our power at work for Him, but it's His power at work in us, and because of that, we can believe for advancement. Because of that, we can believe to move forward. Because of that, we can believe for growth. Because it's His power at work in us. His power at work in us. The band are just going to come up to the stage as we finish now. But I'd just like you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a second. And church, I mean it. If you've got comfy, if you've begun to settle, God has got a plan for you. He doesn't want you to rest there. He doesn't want you to sit there. He doesn't want you to stay there. He wants you to press on. He wants you to move forward. He wants you to dream again. He wants you to aspire again. And while every head's bowed, every eye's closed tonight, just to give you privacy, if that's you, you say, Josh, I've began to settle. Josh, I've shrank back. But Josh, I want to go again. I want to aspire again. I want to stand up and be counted for God. If that's you tonight, I'd just like you to lift your hand as a sign to God.